The Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast is brought to you by my good friends at Hunted, the home of recruitment. If you're a recruiter that's currently weighing up your options at the moment and you have no idea what your future looks like, you need to get yourself a profile on Hunted. It's the best place to view opportunities that are exclusive to recruiters like you. You can apply to jobs anonymously and even talk directly with hiring managers. You can filter brands based on what's important to you, and they've even recently included an actively hiring now badge to make it very easy and simple for you to see and find what businesses, what agencies are hiring today. There are hundreds, I'm talking hundreds of companies on Hunted who each have all of their career information in one place and it's so easy to see, uh, use and find out what these companies offer. So rather than going between Google, various company websites, social media accounts and countless LinkedIn profiles, you need to get yourself to hunted.com for the best jobs in recruitment. It's as simple as that. If you're an employer and you're hiring, you want to get in front of some of the best talent in the industry and you listen to this podcast, if you're listening to this ad, then that is you, then I've got a special discount code for you. You can get a huge 25% discount of Hunted's annual subscription by using Rollercoaster25. That is Rollercoaster25. Get yourself to hunter.com forward slash employer. Inquire about making a profile. You need to get on there. And when you do, make sure you use the referral code. And if you're a recruiter, make sure you set yourself up a profile because it is a no-brainer. Get yourself on hunter.com. Enjoy the episode. So the big question is this. How do the best recruiters and recruitment business owners ride the highs and lows of recruitment whilst ensuring they remain at the top? How do they stay consistent? How do they manage their time? How do they cultivate the correct mindset? And what are the best recruiters and recruitment businesses doing differently? These are the questions that all recruiters want to know the answers to. This is the podcast where I have real and honest conversations with some of the most talented recruitment professionals globally to uncover all their secrets. My name's Hisham Azuz. Welcome to the Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast. Welcome to the Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz. Today I'm joined by Mark Bracknell, who is the co-founder of Theo James Recruitment. They are a manufacturing engineering recruitment agency based in County Durham. There's eight people in the business and they've been going for coming up to five years. Mark, thanks for joining me from uh, your conservatory in, in <laughs> County Durham. Thank you for having me. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, obviously, we, we've been speaking for a little while, exchange messages over the last couple of years. So definitely excited to uh, uncover your journey um, so far. Obviously, we're going to really focus on you being a recruitment business owner and your journey in leading your own recruitment business. But let's, where I always like to start is how you got into recruitment. Let, let's start there. 
Yeah, well, you'll be pleased to know that I didn't actually fall into it like most people. So I was one of the uh, the rare few that, that proactively tried to get into recruitment. So uh, so not not your normal story to be told. Um, so I'm originally from Sheffield. Went to uh, University of Sunderland um, to do a, a TV and radio production degree. Oh, wow. Like all your top entrepreneurs. Um, so uh, did that. Um, I kind of did that because... I didn't really at that time knew what I wanted to, to do. I knew I wanted to go to university just for the experience of sort of living away, um, doing that. And did the course, um, thought about what I didn't want to get into media, um, really, really didn't enjoy that as a sort of career. I, I knew that was going to be the case. Applied for a few recruitment roles. Um, I mean, thinking back, it's probably because in my year out um, before university, I, I worked in offices, but I worked through a recruitment firm. Um, which one it was at the time, but I, I remember sitting in there a couple of occasions, um, obviously reg- registering it, and just quite enjoying the atmosphere, the, the environment. It was it was professional, but it was it was buzzy, and, and people seemed to be sort of working hard, but having fun, and that really sort of resonated with me. So um, applied for numerous roles um, for zero return, no interviews, no feedback, anything at all. Um, did what most students do and, and panic and, and look back at sort of how can I stay at uni? So um, I found a course which was a, a, a qualification in careers guidance, which was a, a one-year postgrad course. And one of the offshoots of that was actually recruitment. So did that for a year and, and absolutely loved it. Um, I learned more in that year than I probably did it three years previously. And wow. it was mainly focused around um, helping sort of 16 to 18-year-olds get into education or employment. Um, I was learning interview tips. I was learning to deal with people, I guess. Um, I did a three-month stint at a youth offending prison, um, and I loved that. It oh, was, wow. It was really good. It was, it was challenging. It was obviously saw some, some gritty stuff, but I loved it. Um, and I think there was a time where I, where I thought about getting into youth offending, but there, there's no money in it. Um, the, the funding literally fell out of it, and I sort of went back and thought, right, okay, let, let's, let's start applying for recruitment. So pretty much the first job I applied for, um, got an interview for. Um, it was. Um, a firm called Trent Pierce, and they were a spin-off of, um, I think they're called Jambo now, but it was JJ Fox, the group. And basically, it was a, a group of companies, um, all in competition with one another, but all owned by ex-S3 um, people. So they were, to me, even an northern lad, they were all sort of millionaire, Cockney white boys, <laughs> uh, and had a, I think it's about a three or three and a half hour interview with, with all of them, really, really intense, um, and, and got the job. And it was brilliant. It was a it was a real sort of work hard, play hard atmosphere, like your stereotypical recruitment yeah. Wall Street sort of stuff. And it was just brilliant. Um, I couldn't have I couldn't have started. I don't think at a better better company. In my where, where was where was that based? So originally they were based in Newcastle. Um, so obviously I was it was it was easy for me to to do so. They were based city centre Newcastle, um, literally a stone's throw from from the big market pubs everywhere. Um, nice. Great great place to be in that type of environment. Later, they actually closed their office down in about um, 2010, I think it was, and I moved with them to Manchester. And I worked in, Everett in, in a year there in Manchester, and that was a great office. But yeah, I actually joined recruitment in 2008, so recession hit. So it was... Uh, what, what sector was, did you go into? So I started off in um, further, further education. So I had a, my niche was, was looking at um, health and social care lecturers for FE colleges across the UK. So really, really niche. Um, but this was 2008 and I started off and there was no issues. Um, literally no issues. It, it felt 
felt quite easy looking back. You never discuss rates. Now it's your first question. <laughs> it just wasn't. It wasn't on the agenda. It was just about the people you had and and, and what you said. But the funding just fell out of it. You know, the, the recession hit hard. Um, they pretty much crashed out of FB and and adapted really really quickly. I think they saw that I had a a real passion for being on the phone and, and selling. Um, I, I, I quite I have always enjoyed almost taking the rejection and, and the cat and mouse game of sales. So they asked me to to build up a, um, a it was like a training function basis. So it was still within health and social care. Basically, they were private organisations for like assessors and tutors. So it was different. There was nothing on the system. There was not one bit of there was not one company um, at all. So it was starting from scratch, literally for three months, just call, call, call. And I think looking back, that was the best thing that could have happened to me because it was all I knew. I was taking rejection all day long and I kind of learned to take the small wins that might even be an email address. Do you know what I mean? The stuff that when we started the firm or you know, that, that, you know, you can resonate with. So that was brilliant for me and that I built it up to a really good level. Um, I think later there was about three or four people that worked just on that, on that patch. So, uh, so yeah, it was a really, really, it's a really, really good grounding because obviously you worked at that company for just over three years. Yeah. Yeah. Really good grounding. That's, that's really interesting. So then, Obviously, and then obviously you worked um, at two other companies before you started Theo James. Yeah. Um, and then I guess if we were to talk about the sort of um, role before you started Theo James, mm. so that was a core people, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, j- just quickly, what, what was your journey there? Was it join as a, obviously a more experienced consultant then, or was you a leader straight away? Where, where, but by the time that you left there, what, what was your role and what was you doing? I think I had a nice transition in recruitment because the first firm was obviously work hard, play hard. But grinding, they were 12, 13 hour days. It was incentive holidays. You were abroad four or five times a year. Didn't have any responsibilities, no children, no partner. It was just, it was just all encompassing work, basically. I loved it. Um, then obviously I, I joined, um, I think, su- Supply Desk. And all honesty, that was a stopgap. Um, it was very, very different. It was to, to get back into the Northeast um, for, for, for a girl. Um, so met... Uh, Still with her now? She's my wife now, yeah, hey. thankfully, yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, I had a night out in back in the Northeast. Um, I think I, I probably lied and said I was moving back to the Northeast at some stage just to get a number and then pretty much had to <laughs> come through that life. So, uh, Love that. so there I am. So I took a massive pay, pay cut to come come back. Um, and it was a good firm, but for me, it just wasn't for me. It was, it was almost like Glorify Admin. It was teaching supply recruitment. So you, you come in at half seven, Mrs. White is off sick. You put Mrs. Green in. It was it yeah, wasn't yeah. really the sort of entrepreneurial side and sales side that I enjoyed. So, core people was a was a good step for me because I came in as a as a senior recruitment consultant. Um, wasn't managing anyone, but I was obviously I was as a senior member of staff. Um, straight into manufacturing, so no ex, no experience on on that patch. But good for him to work for because they, they gave you quite a bit of, of autonomy. Um, you know, there, there was no one really screaming down screaming down your neck I kind of I'd already had quite a lot of training and I kind of already knew what I needed to do um so I quite in, I did enjoy my time there and it was a good a good journey because it was a desk it was a desk I had well pretty much until very recently um it was uh did essentially working with maintenance engineers across the northeast so really niche and had that for three years there and obviously through Theo James so good firm to work for definitely so by the time you left how do you manage people yeah so um I I worked way up to a manager consultant, so I was I was working with um, with a with a couple of people. Still, I guess like a, a billion manager, if you like. Um, when I did leave, I was a manager, so um, I'll 
probably talk in depth about it, how we started the business, but I, I'd actually moved over to, to construction um, and was managing a team there for a short period of time until, um, until me and Gary started start the business. Um, so yeah, okay. but I, I didn't have years. I, I've not, I've not had years and years of, of management experience. My journey through Theo James has been, it's been quite a big one with my own personal development and learning how to manage people from, from the mistakes, I guess. Cause what, so what, what gave you, and, and so obviously, you st- so you started Theo James with you, obviously Gary, your business partner. Yep. Um, and then also, I know you, you obviously shared with me that there's someone else involved as well. Yeah. Um, yep. What gave so what what gave you the confidence to start your own recruitment business? Let's start there because a lot of people that's what people are most worried about, right? Taking that leap, taking that initial plunge. So, um, what gave you the confidence? I think I'd always thought, right, I, I want to own my own business right from the start. When I, I kind of saw what the owners of the first business I worked for had, I kind of thought, right, I want that. Um, but it kind of been on the back burner. Um, so this, in all honesty, was more of an opportunity I, I had to take up. Um, so at the time, there was Gary was the Gary managed the the manufacturing division, if you like. I was a his assistant manager, if you like. Um, so we uh, we sort of oversaw a, a team of sort of seven or eight. It was a profitable part of the, on the business, but we were 20 percent of the business. The rest of it was construction for corporate yeah. people. So that's what, what they've always been famous for 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 thirty years. Um, we we were asked to, to move over to construction. Um, he wanted basically to become a hundred percent a construction firm and, and focus on that and drive and grow that, um, which made sense and, and sold it to us. Um, and obviously it was a promotion for us to, to go over there and, and manage big teams, but it was soul destroying because firstly it was, I, I didn't feel that passion about the construction. I don't know why, but I just, I didn't resonate with it. Gary is an ex ops manager of a, of Sanger Ban, a big manufacturing French, firm so it's manufacturing is in is in his blood um and about two months in you know we we were still getting clients callers saying can, can you work a maintenance engineer job for us can you work a buyer <laughs> for us and we were saying really sorry we we can't we don't work it and it was so destroying these are relationships that we brought up from the last sort of yeah three, four years. that makes sense so um i literally looked at numbers and I, numbers what i built and and you know what the team had built and i thought this is madness you know this is crazy so um, I did some maths. I think I spoke to me. I spoke to my dad first. He's an accountant, very, very sensible head. And even <laughs> he said, look, you know, you could be onto something. Spoke to my brother-in-law, um, your financial advisor. And again, you know, he backed it. Took Gaz to the, uh, took Gaz to the pub and said, Gaz, I said, look, look what we've built in the last 12 months, right? Even if we build half of that, the, you know, we, we had a rough estimate of overheads. We have a, an idea really. Um, cause you don't, there's not that much information. There's not as much as there was now with people like yourself on there. Um, well, shall we do it? You know, we, and we knew. Because what, what did you do in that year? What, what, give us a bit of context. Personally, um, one, one fifty, one sixty. Yeah. You know, that these were sort of three grand average fees. Do you know what I mean? Which is, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, so it, that's just good for context. Okay. okay. So it's not, not, not too bad, but not, not amazing. Do you know what I mean? But good enough to, to, to Eastern, right. You know what? If we, and it's half of that and our overheads are 20 grand, we'll, we'll be all right. Yeah. We've got some freedom. So, Took Gary to the pub. Um, I said, "Look, what do you think?" And he he, he sort of mulled it over. Didn't didn't say much. Like he you normally know, doesn't. Said, um, um, "Leave it with me." So he went oldie for two weeks. Um, didn't speak to him for the whole time. Unbeknown to me, he was sat on a deck chair, ruining his oldie, thinking about nothing else. Basically, should he? <laughs> and his his motivations are very different because he's um, you know you know Gaz is older than me. His his motivation was retiring early, whereas mine was obviously building something. Um, what was the age gap? 
so Gaz is 55. Um, I'm 35. So okay, de- interesting. Decent age gap. Uh, decent age gap. So, but I, I really wanted Gary to be involved. Really wanted because I knew how good he was. He's a tremendous manager, and he brings to the business what I can ever bring because clients just resonate with him straight away because he's one of them. You know. Yeah, yeah. Like he's a great because, story, and yeah, 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 massively. So really keen to get him on board. Um, in that two weeks, I, I spoke to my best pal. Carl, who is an entrepreneur, essentially he owns sort of tech businesses. Um, he was keen to get involved. He couldn't get involved day to day, obviously, because obviously of his, of his work he does and he has no experience in recruitment. But he wanted to, to help us help us start up. And, and um, so he's a co-founder of the business. So Gas came back, said, let's do it. Um, and it all happened really quickly. So within the space of a, a few days, really, we registered the company. Um, Where did the name come from? Yeah, that's a that's a terrible story. So I, I wish I could give you some perfect <laughs> example, but so um, it, as it happened very quickly, my my wife was pregnant um, due very 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 shortly, um, and we 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 thought we were having a boy, and the boy was going to be called Theo James. So um, Gaz wasn't really bothered. Um, he said, "Yeah, crack on. It sounds like a good name to me." We didn't really think about it that much at all, and called it Theo James. Had a girl, um, so, <laughs> so, so called Ella. So, um, I mean, I have now since had a, a little boy who, uh, who isn't called Theo because, uh, you know, we thought that had been done now. But, <laughs> but yeah, so the name is nothing, basically. So it's a tough okay. one. Um, and well, it's also gone. No, no, it's gone. It's also not ideal because, obviously, Theo James is an actor. So if you Google Theo James, we're, we're, we're nowhere near the top. Um, but it all happened pretty quickly. So yeah, fair enough. Basically, couple of weeks, you know, trying to, you know, hand notice in, which was obviously tough thing to do, but you understood. Um, you know, we left on really good terms. We had a luxury because we didn't have the covenants that most people would do because they weren't in the space anymore. They weren't. Competing. Yeah, because you went into. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Which so was part of the catalyst as to why you considered starting your own business, right? One hundred percent. Yeah. So I guess what what I really like about that is like you clearly intentionally or not. Like basically, what you did there is you you got people involved who had skill sets that weren't your strongest skill set, right? So you've got Gaz that, as you said, has got a great story, really understands the industry that we're going to be recruiting for, so can have loads of heaps of value there. Great manager, operations person. And as you said, that isn't something that you're um, an expert in or had loads of experience in. And then also got the other chap involved because he's been involved in scaling, growing businesses, right? So I actually love that in terms of like putting together a bit of a dream team, really, and, and got people together that... Adds, adds value in their own way yep. so i guess always always keen to hear about it because again it's probably the 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 year that people were most worried about is that first year mm-hmm. so things will happen quite quickly yeah what 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 did that first year look like what was the what i guess was the plan right we need to get back on back on the phone to the people that keep calling us um start there and then go from there what what, what happened in that first year yeah, hundred percent it was. I mean, again, we we the plan for us was to pick up where we left off two months ago. We that literally that was the we didn't really think anything above that, and we we never put a label on it. I think looking back, we probably thought it was going to be a lifestyle business. We we thought right, we might have five six staff, we can we can earn a decent living. We never said right, this is going to be a lifestyle business, but at the time, I think it probably was going to be. So the biggest challenge um, initially was was the database. Um, you know, you never you know 
it well, because you didn't have because you had no one on a database. No on a database. So you know, we we were very very lean. So I think we used Chameleon Eye. Um, I googled free database. Chameleon Eye popped <laughs> up. Um, used that. It was we had one free account. One was 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 twenty five quid. It was absolutely fine for what we needed. It was a, it was a recruitment specific database. Yeah, perfect. that's one that I used. That great. Do you know what I mean? Like it was ideal for us. So it's part of our our start off. So the first challenge was 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 literally grafting every hour God sent to try and get. CVs, companies, contacts, everything we can assist. It's a database, so, yeah. Yeah, massively. So, and LinkedIn wasn't what it was even then. So that was a big challenge. But, you know, we we pulled two or three jobs on the first day. So really? you know, we literally just gone, right, okay, that, that, let's just sit. Who, who, are, who are our top 100 clients? Who have we done business with? Called them, picked up two, two three. And, you know, we made, <laughs> at the end of the week one, we made three placements. Really? Um, yeah, we had uh, we, we had so we had a dream start. I think we had four placements in, in week two, we, so we built about 20, 25 grand. And it was I it was um, I it was my contacts, the maintenance engineers, built straight away. And I thought we went to the pub. Um, I thought you know we're going to be millionaires, millionaires here next week, guys. <laughs> We've done um, it. This is it. Yeah, this is it. This is it. And then um, <laughs> I remember it was a week later because they were all quite immediate start. It was a week later. I was driving into work, um, and I literally I, I checked my phone and. and Every one of them was was either dropping out or looked like it was going to drop out. We had someone who's counter offered, someone, believe it or not, had, uh, had had been arrested. Unbelievable! It was a mate had been arrested for stealing some copper wire. This was like a seven grand. <laughs> um, another one had started, but said he didn't like it. And I was driving and going, oh, "What have we done?" You know, twenty grand is is often two grand when you recruit her, but twenty grand was twenty grand then. And yeah. you know, you know, we had no salary, and, and I was driving and going. You know, I've just had a baby born. I've just moved into a new house. Wife on maternity leave. What have I done? And it was that was probably the, one of the toughest days we've ever had. But I'm so pleased we went through it because it helped us. Um, it helped us be a lot tougher moving forward. So it was our first year. Looking back, was probably easier than than some. Um, we just kind of got got our heads down. I guess it's a bit like thinking back when you don't have don't have kids. When you have kids, you look back and. You had no responsibilities. It was free. It was yeah. easier and it was fun, but you wouldn't swap it to what you've got now because despite the fact it's harder, um, you're in a better place right now. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think for us, our, our year one was difficult. We didn't do anything crazy billing wise. We weren't working ridiculous hours. We probably did. I think we did about 252, 60 all perm. Mm. Um, so it was all right. Do you know what I mean? It was at the time. Yeah. And obviously with you, you and Gaz yeah. and obviously the, the other chap as well, that, that was what you had in your mind, right? It's like, right, let's see if we can do this ourselves. And yeah. 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 100%. Um, so um, that's really interesting then. So basically the, the mindset in that first year was, right, let's just get money on the board. Let's money just actually see if we can do this. We we took on the the plan wasn't taken and we're on the first year. Um, we actually did we um, so we actually took on uh, Gary's son just to complicate matters even more. So oh, wow. um, so I mean Ross is a friend of mine. He he worked um, with core people not in recruitment, um, a different type of role. Um, he'd he'd uh, been made redundant there. So Gaz picked me up in the morning, um, pretty sort of red faced, and said, "Look, can I can I ask you a big favour? You know, can we? I know this isn't the plan, but can we look at taking Ross on? Can we bring him on and?" Obviously, I said absolutely yes. So, so Ross, um, Ross was with us probably just on, under a year. Ultimately, didn't didn't work out, but he still played a real big part in our sort of first year and our, our growth there. So, uh, so yeah, that was that was sort of high number one basically. So, what what happened in that first year that you didn't expect? Um, I think 
the probably probably personally to care so much. I yeah. think on a personal journey, um, it, it engulfed me. And I think obviously I had a hell of a lot going on at home. You know, I had a, had a brand new baby. Um, my wife actually at the time um, wasn't very well. She had a she hemorrhage after after the first child. So I, you know, play play to Gaz. He held, he held the fort for a, for a couple of weeks. Whilst I was just literally had to look after everyone at home. So I think you know, look, looking back, um, it was just how much I would care personally, how much it would take over my life. I think I learned as time go, went on to make sure I try and switch off the process. So it took, it, it probably, it took a hell of a lot out of me personally that first year just to get up and running. Yeah. Um, but that being said, I, I loved, I loved every second of it. Um, how, how did it affect your relationship then with, with your partner? Cause I think that's, because that that's always a, that's again definitely going to be something really common that people don't expect that yeah. it you you will go to you will wake up thinking about Theo James and you will be going to sleep thinking about Theo James the the child you never had but yeah, yeah. is the child in the form of, <laughs> of your recruitment business right 100%. so like obviously clearly someone that obviously going to support um, your partner through really difficult times but what did that how did that relationship turn out if it was just you were so engulfed with it was that hard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she she keeps being checked, but no. I mean, she's been uh, superb. I mean, incredibly supportive. You know, this was this was never her dream. This was my dream. You know. Yeah. You know, she she was with me when I what I didn't own a business, so it's not as though this is our our dream. It, it's it's mine. It's it's for them and them are why. But you know, she's incredibly supportive, um, without doubt. But you know, at the same time, we'll we'll keep in check and make sure that that I am um, trying to bounce out as much as I poss- possibly can. Yeah. You know, she's not scared to tell me that. A non-negotiable for us has always been. I'm at home at six o'clock to help bath the kids. That's something that's very important to me. Obviously, if I go on a course or etc., it's fine. But but you know, nine times out of ten, I will never be at work at six o'clock. Um, I'll always be at home. I went for a journey of not switching off at that time. I think there was yeah. a long period of time I would be there, but I wasn't there in mind. Yeah, yeah, you wasn't present. No, not at all. So I think, um, you know, but that she's been a, 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 she's been a massive part of our journey um, through me from, from just making sure that I'm focused and, and you know, I, I've, I've not hollered any night feeds and all the yeah, stuff that. that, do you know what I mean? So she's been a, a so, so you had some non-negotiables that he was always there for. Um, I, I think for me, my, my journey with it so far, because I've found that, quite hard like switching off and it's all encompassing right um is just just over over communicating i think sort of sometimes i've been um susceptible to just making the assumption that my girlfriend understands why sometimes i've got to work late or like i don't know sometimes you can just assume that they understand why you've got to do things but they don't you have to you have to communicate and have to say well look this is why this is remember this is why I'm doing this and this is the sort of mission that I'm on you are a big reason as to why I'm putting in this work right now and I think just don't don't assume that they understand why you have to work late and all these types of things I think it's just really important to try and communicate your drivers and and why you're doing things and stuff like that that's that's what I've had to do yeah, no, definitely. Completely, I, I, I completely agree. And I think you've got to keep yourself in check. Um, you, you, mm. you burn out as a recruiter, but you can burn out even easier as an owner because there's only yeah, you can always be doing something. You, know, you can always be doing. That's something. the thing. It yeah. is that. It's. Uh-huh. I could. It's just that. It's exactly what you just said. There's always something that you could be doing. Yeah, yeah, massively. Um, it isn't. I think you've. 
and, and I've, I've got, I'm not fantastic at it. And, and sometimes I feel like I'm burned out and I go, right, okay, I want to make some rules for myself. I've got to switch my phone off between six and seven. I've then got to switch my phone to nine o'clock because everything can wait. There's nothing, nothing, yeah. everything can wait. Nothing can happen at 10 p.m. at night, which can't wait until the morning. And it's important. I've learned that, but it's taken me some time to, to mm. really learn that. Um, mm. I've learned that the hard way, I guess, of, of really getting quite stressed out, stressed, I would say. Mm. Okay. So going into the so obviously second year then obviously as you, as you said managed to to generate circa two hundred fifty k revenue just you you and Gaz basically mm-hmm. um what what was the mindset going into year two then was it like right let's 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 see if we can double that or I don't know what was the, what was the mindset going into year two yeah I think um so what one thing that um one thing that Carl's always been very very good at and literally just from month one is. Um, we, we have board meetings every month. And, and at first I was like, a board meeting? There's only two of us. But no, but you know, there's only three of us in the business. So we have a board meeting every month and we go through things. And, and now they're obviously extremely crucial. But even then, you know, working on the business when you're not in it is important. So I think... So what, what was a typical, just out of interest, really quickly, what was a, what was a typical agenda? So um, t- typical agenda now is very different. But, but at the time, I think it was uh, what went wrong what could we done? What could we done better? It was more day to day. I would say at the time it was more sort of how what situations we, we managed. Um, now it's about it's all about growth and it's all about scaling and etc. Et so I think in early days it was just taking ourselves out of the business, going for a meal, same same Italian we've been to every single month um, since since day one, and just taking some time out to analyze things. Um, the, the greatest things, well, is, uh, as a three, we we rarely agree initially. We've all got three very, very different yeah. opinions. They can be, they're always quite heated to some extent. Um, I'll come away mentally exhausted from board means, but we always agree on a on, on some form of, uh, of decision. Actually, yeah. It's the right one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, okay. But I think year, year two, we um, probably the, the catalyst, I would say, um, was we, we thought, right, you know what? Um, I wouldn't say growth is a word, but let's try and add a couple of heads. And, and we advertise a role. Um, Vicky who's with us now, applied. Well, she actually, she, she called me up and said, I've seen you've applied for, you're applying for a, for a consultant. Would you consider me? And, and Vicky is, she's, you know, the time she was just 10 years recruitment experience. You know, we work really closely. She's, she's the best I've ever worked with. You know, the most professional recruiter you'll, you'll ever meet. Massive queue of the business. And it was a bit like, Jesus, you know, someone like her would want to work for us. And, and that did, was... Did you think, why would she want to work for us? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You know, That's the, so common. Yeah, it, massively. And I think, um, you know, Leaving a business that she'd been for for so long, doing extremely well. You know, she was she was a manager. She was billing. You know, this was definitely going to be an initial initial step back for her. To to join us was just like wow. Do you know what I mean? So I said, well, you know, you don't have to apply. Come come to the pub now. We'll talk about it. So she was hired after five minutes. So that was um, what, what was your sell? Obviously, she was obviously motivated, but obviously because I think it's come up a couple of times on the podcast. When you're a smaller, yep. growing business, which the majority of the UK recruitment market is, yeah. you, you do have those self-doubts as to why would this person want to yeah. work for us? And sometimes that can lead to, to bad hiring decisions, right? And yeah. like, so I guess like when you had that moment with Vicky, who's obviously still with you now, which is amazing, what, what was the, what was the sell from your, from your point then? What, what was, was you honest? How did you communicate what Theo James could be for her? 100%. I think we were very, very honest. I think the big sell was probably the culture and, and we've always been big on culture. We've probably talked more about culture than than profit and growth and anything else. And I think we talked about the environment we, we want to build and her to be part of it. Um, that we've always been very, very open, honest about Gary's journey. You know, Gary at some stage plans to, to, to retire really. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and you know even then I communicate with Vicky to have her on board at that stage was was massive for me because I want her to be part of that journey and hopefully be uh, you know be by my side when we grow that so I think she obviously saw some long-term growth for her there yeah. to be part of something um, which is still very very much the plan so um, she was excited about it I think she was probably ready for a change um, I didn't realize that that was the case I, you know but I kept in touch just about personal stuff but I didn't realize that she was going through bit of a journey there where I think she'd, she'd probably been there for 10 years and thought, you know what, maybe I'm ready for something different. So I think at her, it came at a perfect time. Um, she had opportunities to join businesses which were much bigger than ours and, and much more stable than ours. You know, we were, you know, we were a small business, which, you know, three months, three bad months could have killed us. Um, and actually, in fact, in year two, we went through probably the hardest challenge we've ever had. Um, I think we got, got through a stage where, looking back, we got too comfortable there was four of us and there were, we were four friends and I think we just enjoyed coming to work and working hard. And then for whatever reason, we went through a sticky patch, which you can do. Any consultant go through a sticky patch and we happened to go through it all together. And looking back, I think we didn't have process in place. We didn't have any KPIs. Well, you didn't bill for a certain period. Yeah, yeah. We, 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 we were massive in the target for about three months and then we were suddenly looking, suddenly we've got, you know, we've, we've got staff, we've got headcount, we've got overheads. And that's the first time I was really, really stressed and when you've got other people you're responsible for, yeah. one thing thinking, right, I'll have to start again or, or get a new job. It's another thing thinking, right, I've actually taken people out of a job now. This, I've, I've, I've got responsibility to people. That's always sort of been quite heavy on my shoulders. And I took it upon myself to be told to just go, right, you know what, I need to get us out of this shit. So I, I, I got my head down um, and just went back to basics completely, grafted, grafted, grafted. And I built really, really well. I built, uh, I can't remember it was, but a decent amount of money in three, four months and just pulled it out of us. And I think I, pro- I probably led from the front there. And from that, we started to analyze what works. And I think we, we analyzed the numbers and that's where Carl was very crucial. Okay, right, so why were you successful? How many CVs yeah. did you send? How many calls did you make? Stuff that I'd never really sort of looked at before. I just knew what I did worked. So we looked at that and then we looked at how we can analyze and scale the business and start to put some some process in place. So... It was probably the end of year two where we were then successful after a, after a tough period of time. I think we built about 400 perm. We had maybe 150 temp. Um, so we, we, did all, we did okay. Not as, as much as we should have done, but we did okay. But it gave us the confidence to go, actually, we could be a, we could be a business here. Um, we could be a decent, a decent business and we can grow. So I think that's a stage where we thought, right, let's, let, we went from a, a lifestyle business to maybe a slow growth business or something. Yeah. How... Because I think a lot of people can fall into that. I think it's quite common, isn't it, that sort of when you're a smaller growing business, obviously you you end up taking people that you do end up having a really good sort of friendly relationship with and it's, it sort of really overlaps that sort of friend and professional relationship. Yeah. yeah. How did you communicate that? Because I feel like obviously that will be things that people go through even just as a, a billing manager or as an actual business owner. How did you communicate that, hey, guys – we need to fucking up our game here. Like, how how did you communicate that out of interest? I don't know if I said the words. I think it was, I've never been good at hiding stuff. And I think I was visibly stressed out. Do you know what I mean? I think I was yeah. visibly stressed. And and the way I deal with things at the time is just to go, right, okay, I'm just going to graph. And I think people saw how hard I was working. And then they 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 tried to, to replicate that and did and worked very, very hard. Um, so you I just led I, by example. Yeah, I think that's it. I've, I've always found it easier my journey is, is, is I've learned to manage, but I've always found it easier to, to do as I do, not as I say. Um, I'm, I'm better at that now. And I think I'm, I am better at 
training people and 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 helping them, assisting them. But I've always found it easier just to to lead from the front than mm-hmm. than tell them and communicate what to do. So I think, yeah, it was literally just just get me get me head down and grafting, to be yeah. told. So, so it was less of, hey guys, put them in the meeting room and be like, right guys, we need fucking up it here. Got complacent. It was more of, right, I'm, I've noticed this has been going on. I need to turn this around because I've got other people's livelihoods here that I'm, I'm now responsible for and, and just led by example that then obviously ended up influencing their actions and output. Um, okay, so going into year three then, mm-hmm. what processes did you start to implement? You've mentioned that word a couple of times and I think, I think um, I've think i had a, done a couple of podcasts recently where this word's come up a lot and I think it's it's really important because I think it's what you're what you've spoken about huge number of recruitment businesses are small growing businesses or have sub 10 staff and i think um a big part of that as to or why a big reason as to why businesses don't grow or or scale is that they typically have the mindset of we'll do that when we get to this point or we'll put that process in when we've hit this certain milestone and it's just come up a lot recently where the last interview I did with someone, they they were a five-person business, but they were implementing processes that a 20-person business would have. And then when they got to 20 people, they were implementing what a 50-person business would have. Do you get what I mean? So yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess what 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 processes did you start implementing or how did you start thinking about um, your business differently going into that year three? Because that's obviously the, the moment that you had there, right? And what you started to do. Yeah, definitely. I think year three for me is when we actually start being a business. I think looking back, we, we I wouldn't say we wasted two years because, you know, it was part of our journey and, and you know, you learn more, more from your failures. Um, the two businesses I work for weren't big on process. They weren't big on they weren't big on that side. They weren't big on analyzing what works, to be, to, to be fair. So we didn't, you only know what you know, right? Um, so it was probably more, it was probably an issue more Carl that said like, let's get some process in place, some scalable process and document those processes. And let's look at what's worked for us in the past. And that's when we looked at my desk. Um, I was probably billing a third of the, a third of the company billings. Let's, let's look at it. We analyzed it and we tried to scale that out. Um, we brought on, we brought on Cube 19. Um, oh, wow. Which was, which was great. Yeah, we haven't we've, we've, we've swapped that now to, to one up because we changed the culture of our business. But Cube Nineteen was was great for us at the time because it so what, was, why did you why did just out of interest why did you choose to invest in in that tool? What was you hoping it could do for you? It was basically the, the analytics for one. So we can you know we were spreadsheets. We're all spreadsheets and <laughs> numbers. Um, we de- we designed some brilliant spreadsheets and you know we had graphs all sorts. But Cube Nineteen was just. We demoed it and we said, oh, this, this is it. This is where we can see wh- what we're doing right, what we're doing so wrong. To enable you to visualize the, yeah. the, the sort of the things that Mark was doing on a day-to-day, week, month-by-month basis that would mean that if we could get more people doing that, then there's a good chance that, yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly that. In hindsight, um, we probably went too KPI heavy. I think we went from, from nothing to everything. You know, we, we, we threw the, the kitchen sink at it and said, right, okay, CV sends calls, references, meetings, everything. Um, and we went hard on that, but we had, we brought in Cube19, uh, we brought in Odro, which probably changed the face of our business, I would say, more than anything. Um, mm. It changed the culture of our business, um, using video to portray us and, and what we're about was, was I think, just changed the face of, of Theo James, honestly. Um, we also joined the RDLC, um, which is probably the probably the... The biggest catalyst for our change moving forward, because it was the first time we were we were allowed to see what other businesses were doing. Because you, if, if you're in a bubble as a recruiter, yeah, of course, yeah, you can't see it, and you know you don't go to networking events if you're not a part of this type of thing. Plus, 
I think going, you know, these were majority of them were tech businesses in London and, and it was opened my eyes massively because I think they were probably ahead of the times to most of our our type agencies. Yeah. Um, enabled us to, I think, to be the first movers in our marketplace to do things like using certain technologies, like using video to to, to get messages across, et cetera, and, and using video for interviews. So that was the first time for us that I think we start becoming a business. We got bullhorn. Do you know what I mean? Everything seemed yeah, to, yeah, yeah. everything seems to sort of go right. Okay, we're, we're a professional business now. We can scale and we can and we can grow. And it was the first time I think we we're all comfortable and confident as a three that we could actually bring people into this environment and they could be successful. I would say. So, so you really started. So it seems like you really started. Part of that process was you invested in the tools. You invested in basically getting the foundations and and being able to be really confident with the platform that you could offer new employees into Theo James. Yeah, definitely. Because you've got and you've all you've got to compete, you know, when you've got to sell the business at the same time. You know, anyone interviewing for for you, you know, you've got to sell the vision, you've got to sell the company and and how they're going to work. So I think we um I think we brought on we at the end of year three, we were up to six staff. Um, I think we had maybe four or five that failed, but not a bad churn rate. You know, we had sort of one in two, which which isn't too bad. And we we brought some really good staff on. Um the bulk of those are still with us now. So I think our our year three was probably, in a way, our most important year, I would say. Because, yeah. um, you know, year four was difficult in terms of recruitment-wise. But year three, you know, we put maybe about 600 per on the board, 600, then probably 300, 400. I think we got up to sort of a million quid turnover the first time. So I was gonna, That was going to be my next question. How did you invest in these tools and networks then sort of correlate with the actual performance of, of the business? So that, that obviously increased. Matt, yeah, it definitely increased. We saw an increase. Obviously, overheads increase, and it's the <laughs> first time. Do you know what I mean? You have sleep is nice over that, but yeah, it, it definitely had a positive effect on the uh, on the revenue w- without doubt. And and how just quickly then before we go into year four, hmm. thinking about year two and year three, yeah. how did Mark's day change? Like what, what, what did you end, did you end up spending more time on training or I don't know what, how did your day change from, if you think about your going, right, right, we've got, we've got pretty good business here. Let's, let's really invest in things to take us to the next level. What, how did your, your role change and what did your day look like? So I think one of the most important things again, when year three was taking me off a desk, you know, my, it was a big bold move because my desk was still the, I was a, still the top pillar. I still had, you know, I'd still probably third the billings in the company. It was a desk I'd had for seven or eight years. So you know, it was easier for me, I guess, to, to build to build better. So it was the first year that I was working on the business, not in the business, if that makes sense. So well, so, sorry, sorry to button. The very beginning of year three, you kind of you would sort of relinquished your desk. Yeah, probably probably um yeah, it was at the end of quarter one, I think it was. Okay, I came off my desk. Okay, cool. So and that was a big decision. You know, that was a that was a tough board meeting, you know, to decide that, you know, to take away my billions and go, right, okay, um, let's just hire into it which we did, that was a big decision. Um, but that's what we did. And my plan was basically, because we decided to go from a lifestyle business to a to a growth business at the time, we agreed that the only way to do that was for, for me to come off a desk because I've still got a passion for sales and passion, passion for, for training. So I came off a desk. Um, I attended you know, lots of, lots of things with the RDLC, tried to develop myself, went on various courses personally. You know, it's the first time we started getting external, external trainers on board. We started investing in our staff. Um, and my day changed, I guess, 
just by being involved a lot more in their activity and what they're doing, looking more at the numbers and seeing what was working, see what wasn't working. So it was, it was the first time in my career that I'd ever done anything like that. So it was without doubt the biggest challenge. And it didn't, didn't come naturally to me, I would say. Um, you know, I've, I, my favorite part of recruitment is recruitment still is. I love the buzz of it. And I love the highs and lows. So I've had to learn to sort of take a step back from that. And I still find that hard. So I think this, what you're talking about, I absolutely love the fact that you did that. I think that's such a bold move. I think particularly where you was in your business journey as well, to sort of really sort of have the balls to go, you know what, I shouldn't be the top biller if this is a business that we want to grow and turn it into quote unquote real business. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's just talk about that for a second, because I think so many people can get value out of that, Mark, just because, look, you'll obviously, being part of the RDLC, you'll speak to numerous recruitment business owners, but I think that's one of the biggest challenges they have, right, Um, in actually going through that transition. So I guess knowing what you know now, obviously soaking up everything from the RDLC and learning what you learn, how would you go about transitioning that? differently or how would you do it would you do it differently how would you go about it now if you if you today was like right Hisham we I need to get off the tools I'm the top below that that, like how would you how would you go about doing that well in terms of if I came right so if they came off a desk and how yeah so like because obviously now you've got obviously the the hindsight the the learnings from what you learn the self-development I guess like yeah how would you go from right, I'm a business owner and I need to go from not just being a top biller and being in the business. I now need to sort of transition to on the business, right? So how would you go, would you do that? And how would you go about doing that? And would you do it differently? I think you've got to be careful not to throw the baby out of the bath bathwater. Um, I think to to completely leave your desk and go, right, okay, you crack on with it would have been a mistake. I think you've always got to have one eye on it. And I've always had, I've always had one eye on that desk still because these relationships I've had for seven or eight years. So I would still do quite a lot of the, the sales side to it. I, I, I might have not done the actual recruitment, but I knew pretty much and I still do every maintenance engineer in the Northeast. So if, you know, if I saw a, someone said, what about this guy? I'd say, right, okay, send, send to speak to so-and-so. So I still had one eye on the game a little bit. So I think I still influenced and help influence the person who was billing on that desk quite a bit. But I guess you've, you've, you've got to look at what you're good at. Um, and for me, that was probably the, the sales side to it, to, you know, speaking to people um, and, so that's the bit I went health leather for. So listen to sales calls, um, getting them to listen back to them, giving them feedback on that, what could what could done better, what they could could differently. Um, so, and and you've got to play to your strengths. So for, for me, that was still speaking to clients, being on the phone. Um, I would have hated to have step, stepped away that completely. I think it's always important still to be the face of the business for as long as you possibly can do. You've got to make your consultants famous, consult me, people buy from people. But I still think, at this stage, you need to be a, a prominent face in the business so people still trust you. Because these were, these were mining gas relationships, you know. Because, yeah, so how, how did you communicate externally then out of interest? Cause so, so I get that. So basically, so if you're listening right now and you're in, in the position where Mark was in year three and you want to sort of start thinking, well, look, I want to be on the business. I don't want to be on just on the tools all the time. I shouldn't be the top biller. Yep. So, okay, I need to have, I definitely, this isn't like, right, tomorrow I'm stopping, then you don't do anything. It's, right, I need to keep an eye on, firstly, what what parts of my desk am I the best at? Well, actually, it's cultivating relationships, it's clients, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to make sure that I still make sure that goes on and have an eye on it. Yep. Um, but how, so obviously, and I think that'd be quite common. So I guess, how did you communicate that externally when people have been used to dealing with Mark? I probably... On 
purposely didn't. I think I tried to have that a bit of a, a soft transition. So I think initially when they would call and speak to me, I would say I would still speak to them and I would bring along the consultant. We'd have a meeting together. So I tried okay. to uh, try to hold the hand a little bit. So I tried to make that as soft as possibly can do until they trusted that I was still there to help out with any issues. And then the, the consultant board would, would do a good job. So it wasn't a big who are, I'm, I'm leaving this as a person because I think that would have been a, a too big of a risk. My sales calls probably went up because I was probably in a bubble of speaking to, to maintenance managers. I was then speaking to all our clients. I do more account management, you know, a, a new client on board. I was, I was, I had the time to introduce myself now and look, I'm, you know, thank you very much for working with, uh, with Vicky. I'm, I'm the director. If you need issues, come speak to me. So I found myself with more time to do things like that and nurture and grow the business whilst also, um, getting more involved with the day to day, um, never on a micromized level, but just in terms of, of what people are doing. We've worked on, um, this is something that Trevor Pinders helps us out with a lot. We've always worked on two hour sprints. Um, I think it's a perfect way to manage people. So every two hours, it's a very, very quick five minutes. What's the plan for these two next two hours? Um, great. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to try and sell so-and-so around. What do you want out of it? And you, you know, four or five key objectives will touch base after two hours. How do you get it? How do you get on? Why, why, why do you fail? Why do you succeed? And then you go again. So it's a really easy and quick way to manage and keeps people focused because it's so easy to be a busy form recruitment. You can have a day, you have a full day thinking I've grafted me in and then you think, what have I done? What do I do? <laughs> but I think if you have those sprints, you can clearly go back and see, right, okay, these are my non-negotiables. These are my sprints. Um, and this is what, what this is what I've got out of the day. So for us, that's been really key. I love that. And then just final thing before we talk a bit about sort of the fourth year. So what what did sort of you going through that transition enable you to spend time on that you didn't have time to do historically? So when you say more on the business, yep. so you, you've mentioned that it enabled you to focus on training, sales calls, helping people maximize the opportunities that they were getting. What else did it enable you to do that obviously I guess you felt really positive about and it was great to be able to do? I would say culture. Um, culture has always been really important. Um, to to all to us and and the people we bring in the business we, we we hire on culture more than we do how much money they're going to make us you know when we're open to them um, on interview about that culture is really important for us so it enabled me to have a bit of time to to take a step back and, and look at the environment we've got and that that goes from the office you know in I think it was probably about any year through we moved into a, a big office space um, which you could comfortably fit probably thirty people in there so it's a big space. And that, for me, it was important to give people an environment where it's a stressful environment, but to try and read stress as much as we possibly can do. So once they've built, um, we have a, a Bushido board, which is like a hierarchy within the company. So it's a bit of fun and it incentivizes people. So as they grow in the business, as they build, basically, as they go up, you get um, you might get a mobile phone, you get a wireless headset, you might get a computer, your commission scheme grows up. Um, but one of the things is um, you as soon as you build 12 grand, you get a wireless headset, which is the, it's the biggest thing when people start. <laughs> they see people walking around on the phone, playing darts, kicking a football about, and just, just, you know, motion, great motion, all that. So that's a big one for me. I wanted to create an office environment where people wanted to come in and work and they weren't cramped around a small desk, you know, round people. So enable me to, to spend more time with things like that. We have something called office vibe, which is free. It's a free tool. It's brilliant. Um, and basically it's a, I think it goes out every Wednesday to the guys. It's emailed to them. And you can either have um, random questions about the business um, or you can actually 
um, select and, and choose your questions and you get anonymous answers about your business and how you oh, can wow. improve. Brilliant. And I, I stress to people, just be as honest as you possibly can do. And we've learned a lot from that of what works and what doesn't. And, you know, we, we, we ask them to give us ideas. And a lot of what we've implemented in the company yeah, come from the staff. and event from the staff. Yeah, yeah. Then you get much more buy-in. If, if, if someone thinks, right, oh, that's my idea, you know, I, you know that, that's... What's that called? Thing. Office Vibe? Office Vibe, yeah. It's free. It's brilliant. Um, it's, it's a free tool. I think you can get the premium for other add-ons. But for what we need, you get your, your business gets a rating out of 10 for sort of health and well-being for professional, all sorts of stuff. And you can see mm. which areas you might need to work on for your business. Um, it's almost like a psychometric test for your, for your company. And it's, it's brilliant. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's helped us to get a culture for us, which means people want to come into work. And we wanted to create a, an almost like a work hard, balanced life hard environment. You know, we haven't got the play hard. You know, we have lunch clubs, etc. We have incentives, but nothing like the, the business that I started off in. It's, it's much more... I guess, autonomous and, and relaxed, but we want people to come in and, and get their head down and, and graft. But um, yeah, short answer would be to sort of spend time on the... the no, I love that. Because I think that that's a big part, again, that can get left on the wayside if you're still staying on the tools and you're a small growing business. Yeah. So I actually love sort of what you just shared there because I think um, it's obviously you, you always read about culture and, and business. And uh, again, that could, for you in the position where you was as a business at that point... Mm-hmm. You, you may deem that as not as important because you'd be like, I'll worry about that when there's a few more of us, whatever, right? And so I, I absolutely love that. I think that's great. Um, so why was year four challenging? So year four was challenging. It was definitely a most challenging year regarding, it was the year we thought, right, this is it, lads, we're, we're going to go for it. So um, we, we thought we had the process in place regarding, um, you know, the, the KPIs and, and, and when, when the people that work in the business, but we didn't really think about the process regarding interviewing. We just thought we, we could hire good people because so the internal interviewing, internal recruit massively. I think looking back, we probably got lucky with the people in in year three because year four was a disaster. I think we we ended year four with with the same with six the same six that we ended. This would year be four. so common. It was a night not being alone. Yeah, so we I think we had about ten or eleven who failed miserably, um, and I think we. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't fire them quick enough. You know, we weren't really used to firing people, um, so we didn't fire them quick enough. We let people go. We we probably hired, we hired on gut. Um, it was subjective. We 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 um, we didn't have a clear interview strategy, interview structure. What what was it? Let's just share that. Like, what was the Theo James interview process at that point? At the time, it was. Pre- I think I think it was two stage, but it was pretty much a meet and greet on the first stage, and the second time it was probably more of an extensive meet and greet. It was more of a we chat about the business, we chat about them, and then probably someone said to us at the time, "Yeah, I've, I've worked with this company. Um, this is how much I built." We probably just got excited and thought, "Right, yeah, great, they can make lots of money. We'll bring them in." And if they were nice people, our onboarding process. Um, was probably non-existent. Um, we probably expected people to do better. And we brought people in the business who were either, in hindsight, not salesy enough, because we're still quite salesy. I think we're probably too account manager, manager-esque. We brought people in business who, ex-car salesmen, who, who sort of talked to a good game, but as soon as they got on the phone, they just crumbled. <laughs> and, and just the wrong motivation. So it was a real disaster. I think we probably knocked a bit, a bit of stuff out of us that, that year because we probably lost a bit of confidence in our own ability to, to recruit. But it, it made us go back to basics and, and create a structure for, for, this, for the year five, which has been great so far for, for hiring and literally just putting a real set structure for interviewing, onboarding and, and so forth. And, and 
you know, everyone brought in the business so far has been a, been a success since that. And I'm really confident that well that's, that's that amazing. Be great. Again, that's one of those things which you could very easily put in the bucket of I'll, do, I'll sort our, end, our onboarding process when we get to 15 people or whatever. Uh-huh. Do you get what I mean, right? Well, yeah, massively. So, and, and some people just accept or put up with the, the we tried to, we got to 11 staff and we're now back to seven. Okay, well, next year, do you get what I mean? So I love the fact that you had the humility to be like, right, what what have we done here? We should have hired faster and we hired the wrong people, blah, blah, blah. So you, there's definitely an element there. You've got to take responsibility, right? Yeah. So I guess let's just talk about what, what that looks like now because I think, again, this is something that a lot of people can get value from. So how how did you change your interview process firstly? So more structured. So um, so our first stage now, um, anyone applies, anyone at all applies from, from, from the website, however we advertise, they get sent a, a solo interview. Um, so we use Odro for that. So they basically get sent an email that says, thank you very much for um, for applying for the role. This is a bit about the company. This is a bit about the culture. So they, get, they get sent some slides about us and what we do, try and get them excited about it. Um, the first step for us is a solo interview. So they basically click play um, and they're interviewed themselves. We're not there. And I think there's six questions they must ask. So the, essentially it's a, it's like a, a selfie role video. And they're quite tough questions. Some of them are standard ones. You know, Why would you get into recruitment? What are your motivations? There's a horrible question that asks if you were a kitchen utensil, what would you be and why? Which is awful, but it throws everyone. Do you <laughs> if know you were a kitchen utensil, what? Oh my god! And then, and you can see the panic in people, but you learn the people who have a laugh with it because it's sales. You, you don't know what people are going to say to you. And yeah. The people who stiffen up and don't know what to do, you think, uh, are they? And the people who just either <laughs> have an answer off the bat. You must have got some funny answers oh, from that. Some great ones, yeah. Well, yeah some, <laughs> people just go off on a tangent. And you can see them thinking, what, what am I saying here? But it's great. But the big one for us is we get a lot from that because you can you can get a lot about the, the personality and what they're about. But we probably only get about 75%, uh, about 75% don't send one back. And that's fine. Because yeah, cancel them out straight Cancel away. them out. Done. You know, we haven't wasted that's any great. time there. You know, before we'd be on the phone talking to them and, and you know, we'd waste hours basically. Mm. And we didn't hire we didn't hire an office manager until year five. Um so this was this was all us. That was a mistake we made and this was I, I took way too much on. So um we um so that's the first that's the first stage of the process. Um anyone who comes through that gets um a face to face, which is typically me, Vicky or Gary and the consultant. And we stress to the to person applying is this is your opportunity to ask us anything. To ask us anything about the business, about your job, anything you want, we'll be open and honest. And typically, we try and get them to ask the consultant about that because we like to get them involved and also who better to answer it than someone who's working in the business. So that's the first stage. Second stage is, um, is two of us. So it has to be for, it's, it's, it's an owner. Um, so me and Gary or Vicky, um, plus again, another consultant. And it's more structured. So they have to, it's a presentation, three slides, uh, first is, um, I think, three things about them. Second slide is what your expectations of the first 12 weeks of working Theo James will be like. And then third is why should we hire you? Um, after that, yeah, after that is a uh, it's comedy-based questions, so scenario-based questions, essentially. And then the, the, the one I've, I love is they have to, um, on speakerphone, they have to sell a CV, a candidate, to someone downstairs who's pretend to be a client wheels watching and it, it's it's the most daunting one for them and, and they know it's coming up because we we tell them uh, yeah i i i did that 
for one so before i got into recruitment i was in i was an insurance broker uh-huh. and i had to sell a policy to my that was going to be my new hiring manager that was going to be my new manager yeah yeah that is that is daunting yeah. but what a great exercise great it is great and because there's a very selling is different and face-to-face is very different to sell on the phone and 90 percent of recruitment selling is still on the phone so you need to know what they're like in that medium and so that that that's the big one for us we've caught a few people out doing that um and because they know they're doing it we've had people that aren't prepared to do that second stage and that's again that's fine yeah don't waste any time we make a decision from there um and then our onboarding process which trevor pinder has helped us massively with we make their word will very small for probably three or four weeks. It's, it's candidate driven. Um, they essentially, it's, it's finding key pieces of information from candidates. So it's understanding the market. It's finding the, the good companies to work for, the opinion of the candidate, the bad companies to work for. It's, it's gaining leads. And it's also gaining, very, very importantly, sort of testimonials, reference names, and more testimonials from candidates of their ex-managers. So they're essentially building a business development sheet for them for when they come off. So you can imagine if people mm. are successful for that, they've then got a business development sheet to go, spoken to, to, to Bill Brown. He said, you're the best manager you've ever worked with. I just love that. Know. It's great. And it, it, it's, it just it starts the, the conversation off on a, on a great foot. So but for us, we, we see the, the good consultants, the hungry consultants from the, from the not so hungry ones there because we, we're very competitive. We're a competitive bunch. That's something we try and hire on, um, which is why obviously we have leaderboards everywhere and it's all over the TVs. But you see the people want to break the records. They, they, they know they can't make any commission. They can't make a sale or a sales call until they finish this project. We call it a darts challenge. So they've got 180 points, basically. So they can't finish that project until they've got 180 points. And you, the, the people in the business, um, the year five, have just, the shift is, is completely different because you can, they're, there are different mm. caliber of ones we've had before. Well, that's honestly, that's so, I love how you've improved that so much because I'm assuming what it looked like before that was like, I don't know, not just get on the phones and do this, but it was like, yeah. here's the database, do a bit of that, yeah. get on the phone, speak to a couple of candidates, here's a job you're working on. Yeah. And that's so sort of precise. It's outcomes driven. It, there's a real structure to it. You've created a competition. Yeah. Love that. That's amazing. Yeah. I think I think the people the, the people we look for are different as well. We've we've seen a we've seen a pattern of the people we've hired who are successful. We class them as second jobbies basically. So we don't we don't actually look for. We've got a you know we've got Vicky, we've got Becky who are two of the uh, or two you know the, the two brilliant consultants we've got who are obviously ex recruitment. But apart from that, none of them are have recruitment experience. Now we've seen a pattern of um, of people who um, have had have held a job previously for a couple of years in some form of a professional sales role. We've had three or four people from enterprise cars rental who have been sort of branch managers. So essentially they've actually come to us with a, a, a drop in salary and also a drop in position because they, they've been sold in the vision that, you know, as a business now we're ready to grow and, you know, we've now got our level of our management team and they know they're part of that. So I think that the people we've hired are just that step above as well. So they've, they've taken the onboarding structure we've got, and just smashed it to pieces, basically. So that that's been a, a big step up, definitely. I love that. that. That's awesome, mate. I think you've um, honestly real, real great work on that, on on really taking action and, and getting that sorted. Um, so let's bring us to today, then, before we finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, what? Obviously, you're sitting in your conservatory right now, working from home. <laughs> yeah, rain pouring um, down. Yeah. What? Um, how how has it been for you? As a obviously, clearly did loads of work on getting the hiring right for your business and in, in year five now obviously in, in the, the midst of COVID. Mm-hmm. What, what, what have been some of the biggest challenges for you 
over the last um, eight to 12 weeks? So I think, I mean, generally year five has had bigger challenges in, 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 in regard to the market conditions since we've ever had. Brexit was a big challenge, um, you know, whether just a scaremongering regarding Brexit and, and a fear factor and people, companies not making decisions, people not making decisions, that's had an impact on the, on the market conditions. Um, and we've seen that and we've, we've, we've had to adapt our business and we've changed our business. We've had to productize and that's, I think year five is again how we've changed as a business to try and adapt the market. Obviously, we've now had COVID, um, which has been a massive challenge for every business. I think we, I'm really pleased with where we're at at the moment. And I think we could be in a, a hell of a lot of worse position. The, the sort of day it happened, the day sort of the, all the COVID stuff struck, it was, it was a really rough day. It was before all the government scheme, scheme came out. Um, you know, we had, about, I think we had about 140 live jobs and every single one of them just, just, just went, just went. We had... Now. We'd made, a, we'd made a decision for a business about six, seven months ago to try and dramatically improve our average fees. And we took people off um, desks which were working and gave them brand new desks, but more geographically. So looking at bigger fees, more senior roles, more, more senior, senior positions, roles, yeah. um, which was a big, bold move. And that was slowly but surely starting to, to work. And the week it happened, I think we had three of those desks all had sort of eight or 10 grand offers on the table we had about we had about 60 grand of offers basically all canned just done in two wow months. and we had that um our biggest contract is worth um contract is worth about 20 grand profit for us a month and it's um and that that went they were classes they basically they do a specialist coating on the um on the pinter whale ship um a big team we recruit there it's obviously worth a lot of money for us and that they called up and said because of because of COVID-19 that's got to go me and guys went home and thought, wow, we've got decent overheads here. Like we're looking at, we're looking at zero for the next three months. Like we're looking at cash. You know, we're, we're looking at decisions, we, big decisions we might have to make in the business. You know, it was, it was a grimmest time. I probably had really two sleepless nights where I was a nightmare at home. And um, it, a couple of days after that, just the world seemed to sort of put itself back together. The, the contract book, they were classed as key workers. So that came back. Some of our office went through. Um, some of the deals seemed to come back. Um, I got the team together. Obviously, the government schemes came out, and that gave us decisions we can make. So we, you know, we could confidently keep staff in the business. And I got the team together the day we decided to to work from home and said, "Look, it's going to be grim. We've got to make hay while while we can here. No one knows what's going to happen because this, you know, no, it's, it's the complete unknown. This could be a twelve month thing, could be a three month thing. We've got to we've got to work hard and stick together." Um, you know, obviously, in days to come, we, we, we furloughed the bulk of the staff and we kept a, we kept a couple. I told them we, were in a, we weren't in the worst market here. We were in a market that deals with pharmaceutical, food, medical. You know, we're gonna, there's essential supplies here that some of our clients are going to need us. Thankfully, that has been the case. You know, we've, um, we've obviously used the government schemes. Um, we've, we've furloughed staff. We've, we've got a loan if, if we need it. I don't think we will, but hopefully it's going to be there. And... We've had two, three, or four clients who thankfully have been busier than ever to deal with the demands of COVID-19. So I think we've got one company where I think we've, we've placed maybe 20, 25 engineers within the last, wow. last two months. So we've done There's all right. pockets of opportunity yeah, for you guys. Yeah. It's, been, it's been a successful time through us. So it's actually been less stressful than we ever imagined. But I think we've learned a lot about the business. It's, you know, it's me and Gaz have got back on the tools. I was going to say, um, have you got back on the tools? Yeah, yeah. How's that been? been great it's been fun it's been it's been stressful because um i'm back at the top of the leaderboard or well, you, you know you're sitting you know, at the bottom mate you know it was <laughs> i was um i'm not i'm not that's all good um you know, 
Becky's absolutely flown, so she's had a, a, a superb time, basically. Um, Gaz was beating me, and he let me know about it every hour. So, I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's been great to get back to that sort of almost day one camaraderie and, and remember what it's about. So, um, although it's been a, a stressful situation and no one wants any business to go through it, I think we'll we'll learn a lot more about the business moving forward. And, you know, we're incredibly confident that we will come out of this extremely well. And, you know, we've got zero doubts about, for the first time ever, we've got zero doubts about any of our staff and we've got some really big plans for the future now. So yeah, it's, it's, the best, it's the best I've ever felt about the business, I would say. And um, before we finish then, just thinking of the time we're recording this, there'll be a lot of people sort of starting to form their game plan on returning back to normal or back to the office or whatever. So what what's sort of been your mindset and what's share with us a bit of a game plan as to how what what the next sort of immediate couple of weeks look like for you and your team? We've we've tried as much as ever to be stick to to business as usual. Um, we have pledges every morning of what we're going to get out of the day. Um, so we, we've kept up sort of on on video. We have three meetings, three three very quick meetings a day. So we've we've kept that up, and so we've tried to keep as no, the normal process we possibly can do, and that's what we'll we'll in, sort of continue trying to do our conversion rate has gone from 25 percent sort of contingency to sort of 70 percent of the last three months and i think that's for me th- given me a bit of an indicator of you know what we don't have to work everything you know we we, we already do we, we productize so we, we work a certain amount of of roles um exclusive and i think that's where we need to be more now so i think we need to work with less clients on a more exclusive basis a retained basis mm. i think as the market comes back I think it will change things, and I think companies will work with with companies more. I think they'll work very closely, be more selective, and they'll be they'll look after their cash a lot better, a lot more important on that side. So you need to look now of how you can productize and, and give value for the service you're giving. So I think that for us is how we will change the face of the business moving forward, definitely. Mm. And what? Um, and then are you pl- so you plan on getting people back in over the next couple of weeks? Yeah, because obviously. Yeah. So end of the month, we uh, plan to open the office, um, which I, th- I think we will do with no issues. And, and Touchwood, uh, we'll, um, we're already 8% staff back uh, on furlough. So I think by then we'll be 100% back. So I'm, I'm just opening with business as usual. We, because we're on a market where we can adapt, we can change to where the work is, that's what we'll do. You know, automotive has always been quite a big area for us. That's struggling at the moment. So it doesn't make any sense to put a lot of effort into that. We can work with the clients and the candidates there to try and help them, which is exactly what we'll do. You've, you've always got to support your US clients. We've got tr- some tremendous clients in automotive, but it wouldn't make sense to keep calling those people, keep calling those people. So we've got to help them, but ultimately we've got to now look at the markets that are moving and, and, and run with that. And I think when you're a, a sub-10 company, that's easier. I think you're a 100, 200-man band. It's, yeah, it's different. difficult. Do you know what I mean? So we have the luxury where we can be agile and adapt quite easily to that. Mm. So, but you've, And you're making it sort of optional and voluntary for people to come back in the office, but... From the next couple of weeks, it's like right, guys, doors are open. Like you still got, as as you said, the the sort of the the daily pledges. You've got the things in place, and people can do that from in the office or obviously uh, from home. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it'll be it'll be trial and error. I mean, we've never been a work from home. We've always had the capabilities of all be, all been cloud based, but because I guess we've worked so hard in the culture of of being in the office, and I want people to learn from people in the office on the phone. We've never spoken about you can work from home we, we're flexible with it and someone says look i've got some tradesmen coming around fine you know come come in when you can but this will be the first time where we've had that option um but i expect people i think the, the general consensus people can't wait to get back and think yeah. 
you know, people have missed it, I guess. So, uh, so yeah, looking forward. I love to that. that. And look, before I ask you the, the final question then, Mark, what are you, what are you most excited about? Like just right now or just post COVID professional or personal, what, what are you most excited about? I think for the first time ever, I felt we have a, a the strongest team I could possibly imagine, but also a team where I can see them all very, very quickly be billing managers. And I think as soon as you've got that base, that's when you can, that's when you get to 20, 30, 40, 50, and so on. Yeah, that's amazing. So that's the plan for us to, to grow internally, to grow their teams out. And also, you know, before all this happened, you know, we had Gary Goldsmith, um, he, he comes twice a year, who's brilliant for us. And we were looking at, at, at different markets. We were looking at, you know, looking at Germany, looking at the US. So looking at how we can grow doing what we do in our niche. So, so yeah, we've got some really exciting plans. And um, yeah, so I, I, I just can't wait to get back to normal now so we can get everyone moving and get everyone booming. So yeah, looking forward. Amazing. Well, look, final question. You, you can answer this question with a phrase, a word, a sentence, whatever comes up for you. And um, if, if Mark Bracknell could communicate to every single recruiter out there or business owner, they'd listen to your advice, they'd take it on, they'd implement it tomorrow. What would you say to the people? Uh, to the, so I'd say initially mindset, look after your mindset because it, that's number one and, and it's so important to keep checking yourself and keep positive. And also, I guess, as a business owner or as a recruiter, make sure you stand out from what is now an extreme crowd of marketplace. So utilize the, the platforms and tips you have at your fingertips. So share your opinion online, um, utilize that and make sure you be yourself because people still buy from people. Mark's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I really want to ensure this podcast remains valuable and relevant for all of you. If you have topics or questions you would love me to cover with future guests, then please get in touch with me. Best place to get me is on LinkedIn. Just search Hishimazoos and drop me a message. I would love to hear from you. Finally, if you have two minutes, it would be greatly appreciated if you could leave an honest review for the podcast. It will simply mean that I can reach more people with this podcast. You can easily leave a review for the podcast by clicking the link in the episode notes or by going to ratethispodcast.com forward slash rollercoaster. Thank you again for listening.